Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Bros podcast. We are Two Bros. This is Two Bros podcast. And today we're going to start a new series uh, and obviously as always I'm joined by Big Brother. Hello sir. Hello sir. So bro the the deal is that uh, we obviously uh, we're all uh, in touch with the news and we all know what's going on in life and in the world. But I think because of all the noise from all the media outlets some uh, you know news stories uh, go under the radar. It's a very interesting there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the world but uh, we don't get to hear them because uh, pretty much everywhere else news is being thrown in your face so there's like there's a strong possibility that you miss out on some of the good stuff that's happening. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. And uh, you know I miss the good old days where uh, you know there used to be segments <laughs> and every bit of news would be covered at least to give you information. Uh these days news is almost uh quasi entertainment and uh, semi propaganda. So uh you know it's good that we're doing this segment uh hoping that our listeners will uh, tune in for this every week. Yeah, so we're going to try to make this a weekly uh, occurrence uh, and uh, obviously if you want to hear the main news there's enough uh, media outlets there you can hit one of them. We are going to talk about some off brand off mainstream uh news that happened this week. this week my you know not uh, you know a different uh, unit of time now something that really uh, interests me bro you know how much i like uh, the whole astronomy and space research and stuff i'm quite into all that a lot a very remarkable week uh, has happened most notably it began with the hayabusa 2 now this is a japanese uh, probe that went uh, landed on an asteroid collected samples and uh, did a flyby past earth and it did not land now this is this is where it gets really interesting it dropped the samples while doing a flyby they the samples landed in australia they were picked up obviously they are a sealed container so we don't know what so they haven't been uh, the contents haven't been researched yet it dropped off the contents did a drive by and now it's off to its next asteroid and then it's going to take samples from there right come back to earth drop them off and then head off to a third asteroid like that's 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 space groundbreaking science fiction happening in our face already i mean i love it this is remarkable indeed and uh, this reminds me of the sci-fi series uh, called the expanse where uh, you've seen the expanse been... yes of course is it good i saw like the first few episodes i i, I don't know i kind of got bored The Expanse is very very good. It's a no, space opera it. for mm. want of a better genre. And humanity is split into three factions really. Mm. The Earthers, the Martians and the Pelters Belters, who are essentially yeah, yeah. blue collar workers are mining off of asteroids. Mm. Uh, hopefully, I mean, who knows that could be very well the future. Fantastic news. Now, sticking to uh, space and space uh, fiction. I mean, it's almost fiction at this point. I can't even I, it boggles the mind. Uh China launched their uh, moon uh, probe, lunar probe. it landed it picked up the samples and it's already on its way back we have moon rocks and for the first time it's not like specks of dust and specks of whatever it's proper i don't know grams and kilograms we're talking grams and kilograms of moon dust basically uh, to study the origins of the moon to study uh, the because the kind of water we know there's water on the moon the kind of water you get on moon is not the kind of water you get on land on earth i mean so we're going to study about that and uh, china became the second country to plant their flag on the surface of the moon now i mean say what you want about the chinese they get stuff done 
Yeah, and uh, once again tying it to something off of Netflix, uh, their probe, if I'm not wrong, was called Changi, and mm-hmm. that is uh, a myth of a moon uh, princess or a moon goddess. So I saw that on a piece of content uh, recently on Netflix, and good to see fiction to reality and reality to fiction. Okay, now uh, staying uh, more on uh, science fiction and space research because obviously that that really it really gets my attention. Uh, SpaceX, bro, I, I don't know if you saw this video. I did. <laughs> so, Quite the fireball. <laughs> so they have this uh, Starship prototype, okay? They're planning to use this to deliver cargo and possibly humans on a pos- on a future uh, Mars colony. Now that in itself is a sentence I never thought I'm going to say like five years ago, maybe 10 years ago. That's fantastic. We're talking about colonizing uh, the moon and Mars maybe possibly. But anyway... So they, this uh, maneuver was to, uh, it was a hop, basically. It's a hop till uh, 12 and a half kilometers. So it took off fine. And then uh, it's supposed to do what they call a belly flop. It's supposed to go on its side. The thrusters engage and they kind of tilt it and it's parallel to the ground. It hovers. And uh, that also went fine. Now, the final maneuver of that was they had to re-upright it and then land the rocket. Now, that's where uh, things went wrong, where, uh, I mean, Elon Musk later on released a statement where he said the pressure in the in the, in the header tank was less. So the, the propulsion was uh, inadequate and the return velocity was less. So they basically had a hard landing and boy, did it land. <laughs> it exploded into the most glorious off, you know, Hollywood fireball that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, fine. Uh, I mean, Elon Musk uh, said he's got all the data he expected to get from this uh, launch. But a uh, remarkable achievement. Remarkable indeed. And you know, uh, this, uh, <laughs> let's, let's uh, step back and marvel at what, uh, you know, single-mindedness and private equity can do to, uh, you know, guarded fields like space exploration. I mean, we had almost 40, 50 years of government-driven space agencies, uh, mm-hmm. you know, almost having a hegemony over space. They've driven costs down and, uh, you know, tech that we thought was only, you know, going to happen in the Iron Man movies is suddenly happening in real life. Now, you think about these things that, you know, a rocket went up, turned sideways and came down. But then you have to realize that for 40 odd years, pretty much everything in spaceflight has been about uh, size of the rocket and the direction's been pretty much uh, just go up. You know, the reusability was never a factor that came in, you know, brand new at the beginning of this decade. And now you have, you know, smaller, more minute operations happening. This is incredible. Yeah, I mean, the the main, um, uh, you know, the operating word there was reusable rockets. Now, that is the thing that we hadn't heard of. And if I strongly recommend, uh, you know, this book uh, written by Ashley Vance on the life of uh, Elon Musk. And how the idea of reusable rockets actually came in and how it's become it's become so normal now. I mean, every other day there's a rocket uh, that launches and it disengages the first stage and then it lands on a, on, a, on, a, on a barge in the middle of the Atlantic. Just amazing. I mean, it boggles the mind. Now, if that wasn't enough, NASA has launched, uh, has given its names, uh, eight, it's, in, it's released a list of 18 astronauts who will go up for the Artemis mission. Now, are you aware of the Artemis mission, bro? No, pray tell. This is a mission where NASA intends. Now, obviously, the biggest challenge with the space flight is the Earth's gravity. Now, what, the, what they're going to do is they're going to develop and get this. They're going to develop a moon base. So they're going to launch uh, cargo and people and they're going to not. This is the first time where astronauts are going to be launched with, the, with a one-way ticket. 
possibly like they're not being flown to maybe fly back they're being flown to stay there for a longer time to establish a moon base for future travel to other planets because obviously moon's gravity is less you know you require less thrust and essentially the raw materials like uh, water is 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 available on the moon which can possibly be turned into fuel or into con- for consumption it can be uh, you know used for anything basically so that is the artemis mission which is going to start off in 2024 <clears throat> they're going to establish a moon base and from there possibly launch space flights towards uh, mars and do their own thing now that is it is it is brilliant that uh, you know space <laughs> is coming back into the fore exactly. after the cold war years yeah uh, i think elon musk uh, his guiding principle is life is to drive humanity forward and kudos for you know uh, taking this field forward and also jolting government agencies out of their stupor and you know to up their game and moon bases wow what's next bases on mars and all of a sudden within our lifetime we've got so many different science fiction prophecies coming alive no i mean i'm I, this is this is something i told a friend i mean the next 10 years till the year 2030 for space exploration alone are going to be fantastic right uh, we've got a uh, even india is getting in on the act we we are sending a probe to venus to monitor the atmosphere of venus and of course we're going to send uh, chandrayaan 3 which is again another lander and a rover on the moon and hopefully we get it right this time i mean last time we got oh so close but uh, well things happen it's all right space is a difficult place we can uh, we can all vouch for that and uh, yeah sticking to space just one last time a very interesting uh, alignment is going to happen i don't know if you've read about this bro Jupiter and Saturn are going to align in the night sky around the 21st of uh, December. They're going to be so close that it's going to be basically like one giant bright object in the night sky. This well, is- hold up. Is this where you bring in the Mayan uh, well, doom again? <laughs> that's it it's there. Now the theory is that the Mayans had a shorter calendar than we did. So 2012, remember that conspiracy where the world's going to end by 2012. There was a, there was a Hollywood yep. movie on that uh, concept. Yep. Turns out they miscalculated, bro. And turns out uh, we're all going to die in eleven uh, days. Well, uh, <laughs> if people miscalculated their calendar, I wouldn't uh, put it past them to have miscalculated a time of you know imminent departure. But uh, yeah, I'll ride that uh, conspiracy train for what it's worth. Remains to be seen. But what's really interesting is this alignment is happening after around four uh, hundred years. Four hundred years. Like think of it. the 1600s what was going on in the world in the 1600s i don't even know was it where uh, 1598 was where uh, vasco da gama was it 1490 oh that was 1490 yeah, that's right my bad my bad so anyway that's uh, pretty much all the space stuff that i have accumulated a very interesting week i mean i was so happy to read all this i mean it's it's got everything it's got uh, rockets exploding it's got moon bases it's got uh, future exploration it's got it's got samples from asteroids and lunar uh, surface landing on the earth for future research and stuff that's that's just fantastic i mean what a what a time to be alive speaking of fantasies and fiction uh, mm-hmm. let us talk about uh, briefly the biggest uh, myth and uh, i would call it a myth the biggest conspiracy theory doing the rounds on the internet for the past month or so mm-hmm. these big metal, metal monoliths that oh, yeah. uh, appear out of the blue okay in different parts of the world so uh, i mean when the first one came up in the us <laughs> uh, uh, they were attributed to a now dead artist 
But ever since some half a dozen have come up in different parts of the world, some in the UK, now the latest one in Poland, I'm told. Mm-hmm. What what do you make of it? What what do you think is the prevailing explanation? Now the popular uh, consensus is that it's a marketing gimmick for somebody. Somebody is uh, trying to pull something off. Maybe it's a gimmick for some show on Netflix. I don't know. But obviously, it's a throwback to uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, where it all began with the, the monolith that they found on the surface of the moon. Now, obviously, that was, if I remember correctly, it was a black monolith. This one's obviously like a metallic, shiny kind of a monolith and uh, whatever. Now, initially, uh, what was being talked about was this was the set of, I think it was Westworld or it was some other space drama or something where this might be a prop that was left behind in the middle of the desert. But obviously, now that, that theory is out of the park because that uh, monolith, which was originally found in, in I think it was Utah, that disappeared and now it's appeared in like 15 other places now it might be a gimmick or uh, well it might just be an indication that the aliens are coming and it's the end of the world so people have reported uh, <coughs> crews of men coming in and dismantling the monolith mm-hmm. but nobody seems to have seen it when it was being installed in any place yeah people just chance upon it and it's come up in the most bizarre locations i reckon that uh, you know with google maps and everything no location is bizarre enough now for something like this to not be found hmm. and if it's a marketing gimmick well kudos to them good work done sir well remains to be seen i mean it's one of those things which uh, well i hope we find out because it's it's intriguing to say the least yep, and uh, it is Talking about uh, intriguing things, I mean, obviously this was in the news a lot, but uh, we're still going to talk about it because it's very interesting. Because of the design element of these, uh, this new gadget that has been released by Apple, the AirPods Max are now out. They look like two giant uh, Apple watches on your ears. And uh, the, the talking point here is it cost, it cost uh, $550, I think. Yeah, that's correct. It costs about 600 odd dollars. Hmm. And uh, I think the price in Indian rupees is about 60,000. Yeah. And now come to think of it, if you buy a full flagship suite of Apple products for your house, you know, the 12 Pro Max, the HomePod, the AirPod Max, the Apple Watch 6, Hmm. and... um, you know, whatever else they make, uh, let's say, lap- I'm not even counting laptops and, you know, Mac- desktops here. Yeah. It can set you back by a cool three to four lakh rupees, you know. And this is just stuff that, you know, did not exist 15 years ago. So, uh, I mean, uh, clearly the uh, marketing and product design leader in this space they did run into some rough weather down south recently, though. Mm-hmm. Um, a very prominent actor uh, there uh, tweeted mm-hmm. about how poor and, you know, uh, self-serving and one-sided their user policies were in India. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, it's not a road bump. Apple's too big a behemoth to worry about that. But, of course, teething issues, who doesn't have them? Yeah, I read an article a few days ago where it said if you were to buy the iPhone 12 Pro in the year 1991 with the tech that it currently has, if that tech was available in 1991, you would have to pay $500,000 for that device back in 1991. And now it costs about $1,000. So there you have it. Think of the, think of that what you can, uh, you know, what you can. Now, uh, moving on uh, to some uh, weird news that happened all around the world. Now, this is a, a case of... Uh, an argument that has uh, gone too far, mind, uh, pardon the pun, is an Italian man who had a fight with his wife. And I'm reading this uh, off uh, boardpanda.com. 
uh, Italian man had an argument with his wife and this uh, made the headlines because this chap took off to cool off and walked 450 kilometers and was eventually picked up for breaking uh, covid restrictions i mean <laughs> what what level how how bad was this argument to begin with well this argument wouldn't have been that bad yeah. i reckon uh, what the underlying he's factors is he's probably discovered the joy of <laughs> long distance or how <laughs> you know the sport of nordic walking came about mm-hmm. and he just decided to go on and on um, you know if i digress for a bit this is how people fall in love with uh, endurance running as well one think? fine day their brain tells them hang on you know you've been running for an hour all this time what if you run for 3 mm-hmm. and they run for 3 hours and they decide ha huh, maybe a little bit of me is broken but i enjoy the rush and you know there you have it then they're doing 6 hours 12 hours and so on and so forth so uh hats off to the guy i don't think the argument was all that bad though well we all got a good laugh out of it and i'm sure the man got a good workout so everybody wins Now sticking to weird news now this is uh, something very weird i don't know maybe give you give me your take on this now i'm, I'm reading this article of uh, scroll.in it's an indian uh, news website apparently for the 2024 paris olympics break dancing skateboarding and surfing and sport climbing are going to be incorporated as sports in the olympics now how is break dancing skateboarding understand okay i get it surfing is also let's say a sport sport climbing is a sport because it obviously has the word sport in it how is break dancing a sport like how well uh, this has been a debate uh, on gymnastics you know in particular floor exercise routines mm-hmm. if you remember floor exercise routines they have uh, a, a whole bunch of Uh, athletic uh, you know sort of uh, pursuits you know you you do flips and double flips and somersaults and so on and so forth but a lot of it has digressed towards aesthetics mm-hmm. so if if uh, people are uh, receptive of that i don't see why break dancing the way it has become you know almost uh, it's it's become bigger than you know dance it's become uh, what can you do with your body you know if you see some of these for example the red bull freestyle competitions and mm-hmm. you know you see the top top athletes and they are called athletes what they do is mind boggling and you know if uh, i i would say that you require a whole bunch of athletic prowess to be able to do that so but this this is like these two these two uh, uh you know things have sort of poured into each other like dancing if you look at any of these uh, dancing shows these days it's become so much about back flips and front flips and lifts and this and that it doesn't look like dancing anymore it looks like gymnastics like you had uh, said the opposite like gymnastics is kind of like uh, dancing now but dancing starts it's starting to look like gymnastics and why i don't know i i i'm still on the fence with this i mean well i'm not it's not like i'm going to compete or anything but uh, well it's going to be interesting to watch and i wonder who's a, who's going to who's going to get a gold in break dancing in the olympics that that just sounds well, weird <laughs> well whoever does can rest assured of a place in immortality as the first quiz question, question oh, for yeah, the end yeah. of time yeah. who the what is this guy's claim to fame or this girl's claim to fame now uh, you know speaking of sports <laughs> that uh, currently sort of have outlived their usefulness or you know sports that are dodgy now in modern pop culture you've got break and you've got sport climbing etc and these are sports that have literally been born in the social media world you know they've exploded in the social media world of course they've been around for a while uh but 
sports that have sort of become archaic a mm-hmm. bit you know i don't know if there is scope to reduce some of those you know for example if you're testing strength do you need to test it through javelin shot put and hammer throw mm-hmm. can you sort of combine it can you make it one strong man competition for instance you know i would watch that instead you've got different sort of athletes that work on different parts of their body and you're testing essentially every different muscle group yeah. you know and coordination so uh, that's uh, i mean that is food for thought as well well okay some fair points Now sticking to uh, more weird news bro this is something very interesting i'm reading this off uh, bbc.com uh, this is about football and it's in china it's a university football match but it had to be called off because quote the players were told that they were not allowed to have their hair dyed so the match was called off <laughs> what do we say to that that is the weirdest news of the week what yeah this is let me let me read further it's just uh, this is a very interesting uh, bit in this uh, in this uh, article one of fuzu's fuzu is a place in uh, china we keep going there in the, you know on our ships it's a port city one of fuzu's players hair was deemed quote not black enough and the side had to forfeit for not having sir, or have for having only six players so there you go man <laughs> There you go indeed uh, next time it's not just about your boots your shin guards and socks it's also about the color of your hair well i i don't know i mean there's just uh, there's some weird stuff happening in the news you know talking about weird stuff let me throw a question at you we're talking about uh, you know being a you know shrouded in immortality by being a you know a pop culture question let me throw something at you what is the height of mount everest well As long as I was in school, it was eight eight four eight meters. Uh-huh. But apparently, things have changed. Things have changed. Now it's eight eight four eight point eight six meters. So it's wow! An, it's another eight hundred and sixty uh, centimeters, bro. So that's just that extra bit that you got to climb now to get up there. Just the extra bit. Now this is uh, this is obviously up for debate. And I was uh, in China earlier, not China. I was in Nepal earlier this year. Now this is a big talking point there that Nepal has a different uh, height. They have eight eight four eight. China has always uh, determined that the height of the Everest was eight eight four four point four meters. So they are four meters uh, short. Collectively, Nepal and China got their act together and they said, "Let's do this. Let's get it on and uh, find out what's uh, the actual height." And they've been at it for uh, a while now. I think it's been a year or two years that they've been uh, measuring the height of the Everest. And uh, the new worldwide accepted height of Everest is now eight eight four eight point eight six. So yeah, just to keep you updated there. So yeah, you're welcome for that information. Does that change anything? Well, it changes everything. What do you uh, mean? Imagine the poor people like us who remember eight eight four eight and want to, you know, uh, get out of our couches and shout eight eight four eight the next time that question <laughs> comes on the television, whether it's on KBC or Jeopardy or whatever show we watch. Now it's eight eight four eight point eight six. No, I, so I, thanks. I, like I said, I was in I was in Nepal and I remember walking past a bar that was titled eight eight four eight because Everest. I wonder if they're going to change their name to eight eight four eight point eight six now. I don't know. <laughs> would would that be a loss? <laughs> That'll be a bummer, man. I swear. And speaking of bummers, uh, talking about uh, pollution, some new stats have come in because uh, obviously, obviously the general consensus was because of the lockdown, because of uh, the pe- you know people staying at home, working from home that often. Worldwide pollution has come down, and people were quite happy that uh, people could see. Uh, Everest for miles, and uh, you know, in India at least, and the air was cleaner, the air quality was cleaner, it was it was perfect. But 
a new stat and i'm reading this article off a website called marineinside.in it do a lot of good stuff on marine uh, incidents apparently 6000 tons of face masks have gone into the oceans this year 6000 tons of masks alone i mean not talking about ppe and gloves and boots and whatever just 6000 tons of masks have gone into the oceans this year imagine well i'm speechless well. you know it's uh, we we saw disposable masks all over the place and uh, i did wonder you know if there was a policy of recycling or let's say uh disposing of in place but if they are ending up in the ocean is just sad but yeah there have there's been a lot of coverage of how this pandemic's been pretty bad for curtailing plastic pollution and i guess this sets us back by another 10 15 years no this is pretty much the thing with every necessity that comes there's a necessity something is made to overcome it to you know deal with it and then you think short term okay let's let's complete the necessity but you obviously forget what comes after right and case in point everybody started making n95 masks and stuff but there was no uh let's say reception facility and recycling facility for these things that was deployed and pretty much everything else ended up in the oceans like pretty much everything else yes and you know i would like to call out one thing that right. uh in the first few weeks of this pandemic uh, it wasn't known mm-hmm. of you know uh, how how uh, contagious it was and everybody was wearing disposable masks subsequently i think as early as april end uh, data started coming out that this was transmitted through uh, droplets and body fluids mm-hmm. and uh, since then people have been advocating the use of uh, face covers and not face masks and you know uh, i've switched to a reusable rewashable bearable face cover but people still continue to wear disposable masks yeah. so you know uh, i think disposable masks only belong in hospitals so once one one of those things which i guess like you said was a knee jerk reaction and now we are in the thick of it now uh, let's stick to this uh, uh, you know uh, genre so to speak this is i'm going to read this uh, from physics.org this is amazing another website which is uh, full of very interesting uh, Uh, stats and information now this is very interesting bro i think you might find this interesting for the first time in the history man made materials now likely outweigh all life on earth scientists said I... on wednesday on research detailing that crossover point at which humanity's footprint is heavier than that of the natural world i read about this and yeah. this uh, anthropologists have uh... Uh, argued that this is a new age it should be classified as a new age this mm-hmm. is the age of man it's called the anthropocene and uh, in terms of dating fossils and history of man uh, this is a brand new age where man is the single biggest uh, contributing factor to everything around him so uh, yeah i mean all for it uh, if you've read the trilogy uh, by yuval noah harari you'll know that uh, the short term present future and the long term future is all going to be shaped by one species homo sapiens or as he called it the new homo sapiens homo do well not so exciting times if you're uh, not a human being but uh, everybody else can rejoice in the fact that we still going to be around for a while i guess 
Now, have you heard of the world's slowest collision ever, bro? Have you heard of this? Well, it certainly wasn't wasn't my collision with my bedside table this morning. <laughs> no, I'm I'm guessing that was pretty rapid. Now, this is very interesting, bro. This is like the opposite of Fast and the Furious. Like, try to pick, try stay with me. Okay, now there's this massive iceberg which has broken off from the Antarctic ice shelf. Now it's heading towards uh, the island called South Georgia Island, right? Now, what the deal is, this iceberg is called uh, A68A, and I'm reading this off this website called Universe Today, right? Now, the story began when this broke off in 2017, okay? And it was so massive that it was 12% of the ice shelf in itself, 12% of the entire Antarctic ice shelf, right? Now, since then, it's been uh, drifting towards uh, South Atlantic, it's heading towards this island of South Georgia, right? Uh, this is, I mean, when it broke up, it was still some 1400 kilometers away. And this is three years ago. Now it's been heading towards this island for three years, right? And they've been tracking this island. Now, the trouble is, this, this another uh, iceberg had collided with this uh, island in 1998. And now the deal is that if this iceberg, which is basically the size of the island itself, if it collides with the island, it's going to freeze the shallow seas around this island and all the seals and the penguins living on that island, which use that narrow shallow sea as a feeding ground, are basically going to starve to death. That is depressing. So it remains to be seen. I mean, it's still not there yet, but it's definitely heading towards it. And uh, well, there you have it. The slowest collision ever recorded that it's taken almost three years for two things to collide. And we still don't know if it's actually going to hit and what's going to happen. But penguins in uh, South Georgia, I would start booking your Ubers and getting the hell out of there. I second that. (laughs) All right. Now, well, uh, some happy news. Uh, There's a woman who has been given the first ever COVID vaccine in the UK and she's 90. The... Pfizer, is that how you say it? Pfizer vaccine? That's correct. Well, yeah, so the vaccines are here, bro. And it's uh, just about the end of the year. And it's good that we still have 11 days to live before we all die a horrible death as predicted by the Mayans. But yeah, we have 11 days of bliss ahead of us. Well, apparently vaccines, uh, you know, no protocols have been breached. uh, So anybody who's sort of worrying about the quick pace at which vaccines were developed, apparently what has been cut through is all the red tape and, you know, the the amount of time it used to take to conduct trials. So uh, kudos to, I guess, the bio and the pharma worlds for coming up with uh, potentially economy-saving and species-saving interventions in the course of a year. So kudos to them. Now, another thing which is being talked about was how richer nations like, uh, let's say, United States have already advanced booked these uh, vaccines for nearly twice the number that they currently have in their uh, population. So you, you, you might wonder what's going to happen to the poorer countries who can't really you know, outbid the likes of US and whoever else. And uh, I guess they got to get in line and, well, hope for the best, I guess. Well, I used to think that these uh, times are in our past Mm -hmm. where, you know, countries could just sort of usurp uh, resources and call (coughs) first shots and first dips. Apparently not. Mm -hmm. And if this vaccine is going to become the new hotly traded commodity, then, uh, you know, you may wonder whether it's like an investor's mindset. You get in, buy cheap. And then you hoard it and you sell it uh, in the open market for 2x, 3x or whatever the price may, come, may, may you know, uh, be, be commanded. 
Now, mind you, this vaccine, if I remember, it has only a 90% uh, success rate. So it's not like a, you know, like a be-all, end-all kind of vaccine. It might work, it might not work for you. So you don't know. And obviously, there are different versions. I mean, Russia has its own vaccine. I think India has its own vaccine, which is about 70%. Uh, UK has its own vaccine. And uh, I think China also has its own vaccine. But uh, none of them are 100%. So we really don't know yet. So... Well, continue to wear your face mask. And if you can, try not to throw it in the oceans where they will, uh, you know, yeah, make things worse, let's say. All right, now moving on to happier uh, uh, things to talk about. Now, it's been a busy week for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as you know. Now, and I have been of the opinion that while Marvel lead DC in terms of their movies, I think DC TV shows are way ahead of Marvel uh, TV shows. Do you agree to that? I would partially agree with you. I think the slate they did with Netflix, with the whole Defenders uh, slate, with, uh, you know, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and the best one of them all. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really think that this TV series is the best off of any Marvel and DC combined. Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Now, that slate was incredible. Agents Shield, a bit of hit and miss. Agent Carter, same. And the other ones are just forgettable yeah but like you said uh, new tv shows that were first announced uh, almost a year and a half ago now we've seen trailers and boy do they promise to take us in different directions i think one of the things you made you missed was uh, the punisher now that in itself was gritty as hell now i really hope i really really hope that i mean uh uh, Disney has pulled all these shows from Netflix which is understandable because they have their own streaming service now Disney plus I do hope that these uh, shows will continue again because they were so good, especially the the Punisher and uh, Daredevil. You know, Jessica Jones was all right. The, uh, I think quite possibly the worst one was uh, Iron Fist. Really, really didn't enjoy that one. But uh, an entirely new lineup coming up for uh, you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to TV. Wonder Vision is one. There's one called uh, Loki. Something something on Loki was it called? Yeah, it was called Loki. All right, there's one of Loki and there's one of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, apparently. That is correct. But, and there's another one called What If? Now, I don't know if that's an animated something. I'm not quite sure what that is about. But Marvel uh, getting in on the act? Getting in on the act. And I think every studio exec has looked at this pandemic and said, I don't think cinema businesses are going to come back. Let's mm. double down on streaming businesses. And I think where it left off, if you remember the ending, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, the ending of uh, Avengers Endgame where Captain America, the old Captain America, hands off his shield to Falcon. I think that's pretty much laid the groundwork for Falcon, the TV show. That's where it pretty much, uh, I'm guessing, where it pretty much uh, picks up. And, uh, well, remains to be seen. I mean, I'm quite interested to see what happens. And uh, it's not like Marvel have forgotten about uh, the movies. Apparently, the Fantastic Four are going to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Did you see the new, the the uh, the latest uh, Fantastic Four movie with, I think it was Miles Teller and Kate Mara, was it? It was terrible. It was quite bad. It was so bad. It was and, very bad. Uh, once again, you know, like uh, the Hulk, mm-hmm. these are characters that are, I think, very challenging to bring to the screen. You know, you think of characters like Galactus, Silver Surfer, the Fantastic Four, the Hulk... The Hulk is good as a support act, but do you remember how, uh, you know, one-dimensional the movies were? I quite so, liked it. I, li- I quite liked Ed Norton's uh, Hulk. That, I think it was a very good movie, and I think I still think we are, we are in the minority, brother. Yeah, I think uh-huh. so. So, yeah. broadly uh, speaking, that movie ranks bottom of several Marvel lists of, uh, you know, phase one, two, three combined. Uh, but... Um, 
you know, uh, some of these characters are really challenging to do justice to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it tells you how good a job uh, Wonder Woman did. Because uh, for a long time, that character was uh, considered as one of those. Even Captain Marvel, to some extent, you know, an overpowered, super hyper-mutant, uh, you know, Earth-bound, coming from space, all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the easier characters you know characters that are human flawed you know have deeply personal arcs like spider-man batman they've been done so many times and now the challenge is how do you do it differently and that is where i'm very excited to see robert pattinson play the batman yeah very interesting now staying on hulk a bit i think i still think the fight sequence between uh, the hulk and the abomination is one of the best fight sequences i've ever seen i mean i can watch that on repeat with the high volume the soundtrack the intensity the anger the pure hatred i i quite love it i quite love that scene and whenever it's on tv i i do watch it it's i think it's incredible well fun fact to round off this segment mm. uh, technically there are two heroes that have unlimited power unlimited mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about superman because superman has kryptonite the green lantern mm. in the dc universe where it says that the power of the bearer is in direct proportion to the will the will yeah okay so technically there is no limit to will and the second is the hulk where they say that the limit of the hulk strength is there is no limit because the madder the hulk gets the stronger the hulk gets so once again anger has no limit so technically a good trivia uh, you know uh, good trivia to round off this segment Well, I wouldn't want to be stuck in a rush hour traffic with a Hulk driving next to me. But talking about people who have drifted from DC to Marvel, brother, you obviously mentioned the Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds. Another person who's uh, drifting off to the dark side, so to speak, because I'm all I'm all about that DC living. It's Christian Bale. Most, it is Christian Bale, isn't it? The most uh, beloved uh, Batman ever. I mean, talk about Batman, uh, Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton. anybody else everybody votes uh, the batman christian bale as the best batman ever now this guy is go- obviously going to play the antagonist in thor love and thunder what do you make of this this is this is I, groundbreaking I, i did not i did not see this coming this has catapulted thor love and thunder to gargantuan scale i think this <laughs> is now the movie that will kick off uh, marvel's next phase properly and get this i'm i'm reading this off uh, film uh, magazine it's Bale will be playing the character Gore the Butcher. What? What is that? An alien creature who sets out on a mission to kill as many gods as he can. What? Is he the oh. Is he the legend killer? Is he the Randy Orton of the I don't know the the mythological level? I don't know what's what that's about. Well, again, uh, just a few more uh, things to talk about. Talking about uh, actors and their uh, fantastic uh, characters, Harrison Ford is returning as Indiana Jones for the fifth and final time. I mean, he—I did not see that coming. The man is seventy-eight at the point, and they want to make him uh, play Indiana Jones. Now, obviously, if you haven't seen any of their movies, I don't think it's a lot of sitting around and talking like The Godfather. It's a lot of action. It's a lot of chariots, a lot of whips and hats, and lots of guns and stuff. The man is seventy-eight. Like, when will you rest it? 
Well, hats off to him, you know. I think I'm all about uh, getting rid of this ageism. Mm-hmm. It's good that <laughs> we have leading actors at 78 and, uh, you know, of both genders. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. I think Indiana Jones is a very loved franchise of the late 80s and early 90s. And, you know, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wasn't all that sort of sorted. Yeah, I think but it was very that- good when it was rooted in, you know, uh, sort of... Cold War or World War II hangover sort of uh, space. But I'm sure they'll do a great job of it. You know, if National Treasure uh, meets sort of Indiana Jones, you know, who done it, uh, uh, chasing the, you know, various clues around, whatever. If, if it's that kind of fun, I'm all down for it. Well, it's, it's, it was a while back that the, that the last uh, Indiana Jones movie came out. I can't even remember what year it was. I remember, was it The Crystal Skull with Shia LaBeouf in it? Yes, that is wow, correct. I, I and this is Shia LaBeouf of peak Transformers fame. Yeah. So this must be from the last decade. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Now, just one last thing I want to mention here. This is a, a trailer that came at me from out of the blue. Normally, I don't watch trailers, but this one had uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. I think I'm a, I'm a fan. She's very cute. This movie is called Shadow in the Cloud. And brother, I recommend, you know how much I hate trailers, but I recommend that you watch this trailer. She is, this is post-war or it is, you know, in uh, World War II. And she fights gremlins in an aircraft and it's it's reminiscent of uh sucker punch you remember that movie sucker punch yep yep and more recently i remember you were talking about this movie called guns akimbo with the uh, guns akimbo with yes. daniel radcliffe in it i think it reminds me kind of that it's just a lot of shooting and guns and screaming into the, you know the the monsters faces I, I mean i was quite this is basically one of those uh switch off your brain and watch the mayhem happen on screen i'm, I'm quite looking forward to it it's going to be very interesting well, I'm uh, all for it. And I'll take a recommendation. Watch this trailer right away. Anything that you've heard about John Wick 4, brother? I haven't heard of John Wick 4, but I have heard of The Matrix 4, which has uh, apparently has Priyanka Chopra in it. Well, if someone <laughs> has made it, it is Priyanka Chopra. If she's in The Matrix 4, I will not say anything bad about her for the rest of my life no but you know it's one of those things that you really really hope that they i mean obviously there's a big gap between the last matrix and this movie i really hope it's not the case of some investors have come in and you know because of the whole nostalgia factor they're going to make a movie where the script is off they're just making it to make a quick buck and you know i hope they don't ruin it like they have with the terminator franchise now the terminator i don't know if you saw dark fate did you see dark fate i did how is it well, so it, it's good, but you know, it can't get rid of the hangover of all the bad Terminator movies we mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Really. And you know, it really, those are the movies that weigh the franchise down. I mean, Terminator Genesis, hmm. what was that? Terminator and, Salvation, uh, what was that? Terminator Salvation was a stylized <laughs> look at a post-apocalyptic <laughs> future with Christian Bale saying one of the most memorable lines. You are the There resistance. is no fate, but that you make. Oh, okay. okay. That line is from Terminator Salvation. I thought the line you were talking about was when he's on the radio and he says, uh, if you're listening to this, you are the resistance. And I'm like, Yes, Whoa! that line too. Uh, but the movie that really dragged the franchise down was Rise of the Machines. Was that the third Three. one? Yeah, that was quite Three. bad. That was quite poor. Talking about uh, franchises which have taken a downward spiral, uh, Transformers. Look what happened to that. Pacific well, Rim. Transformers. Pacific Transformers. Rim, for instance. Pacific Rim 2 was a total... It was abysmal. It was so bad. I don't know why they had to go and ruin it. But when, well... 
you know for pacific rim i think uh, they should have waited for guillermo del toro to come back mm-hmm. and he had a vision for the franchise they just didn't want to wait i think somebody just wanted to cash in on the mayhem but if they'd waited and see how the vision planned out i'm sure we would have gotten something good well talking about uh, franchises another fast and furious movies in the making well big surprise and this one apparently has john cena in it so they've got yeah they've got the rock the last uh, uh, fast and furious movie called hobbs and shaw had roman reigns in it and now they've got john cena it's like the wwe is just descending into the fast and the furious franchise it's just big guys with big guns and fast cars man i mean what's becoming of this thing well i remember when it used to be about plot lines and cars i don't think it is about plot lines and cars anymore brian o'connor that's what they're missing Well, on that sad note, yeah. uh, you know, one of the icons uh, growing up always looked up to, uh, you know, his character Paul Connor, Paul Walker. Paul, why did I say Paul Connor? Yeah, Brian Paul O'Connor, Walker yeah, yeah. playing Brian O'Connor in the first Fast and the Furious. That was the stuff, you know, uh, we grew up on, and uh, good, good man. Good gone man. too early good man indeed and with that uh, we will end our first segment and i hope you enjoyed it and uh, well these are stories that we covered uh, from this week obviously the things that we might have missed that you f- found interesting you might uh, want to get in touch with us and tell us about it and subsequently on a subsequent episode if you feel like featuring with us and uh, you know you want to come and share some stories that you found interesting you can come and join us on the podcast why not so brother thank you so much for uh, taking your time out on a, on a weekend i know your time is precious but uh, thank you i enjoyed this episode Likewise. All right, see you on the next one.